Welcome to the Sober and Happy Podcast, where we talk about all things recovery-related, how to navigate the challenges that we'll face along the way on our journey towards our best lives, and how we can go from living a life of simply just being sober to a life where we're both sober and happy. One of the biggest challenges I faced in early sobriety was dealing with the fact that I was surrounded by alcohol. Even though I stopped going to bars and did not have alcohol in my house, it was everywhere. Billboards, TV commercials, the grocery store. It seemed like everywhere I turned, I was reminded of the substance I was desperately trying to quit. So how do we stay sober in a society that has normalized a substance that has ruined so many of our lives? Well, that is what we are going to discuss today. So buckle up. This is going to be a great episode. Welcome back. When I got sober in 2011, I went away to a rehab. This was pretty much a lockdown rehab facility. We didn't have the option to come and go, and although there was a weekly field trip on Sundays, I never went. I was too afraid of the temptation. I wanted to avoid any exposure to alcohol because I didn't know if just seeing a billboard on that trip would tempt me to sneak out one night and not come back. However, even in rehab, I wasn't immune to being reminded of how much alcohol was in our society. A song by Jason Aldean played on the radio in the socializing area pretty much once an hour. One part of that song says, Yeah, I'm chilling on a dirt road, laid back swerving like I'm George Jones, smoke rolling out the window, an ice cold beer sitting in the console. I lived that one line of that song my entire adult life. In fact, one of my favorite places to drink was driving on some back dirt road, windows down, with my music blasting. And Jason Aldean was reminding me at the top of every hour. Even rehab was not safe because of the reminder of what I was there trying to escape from. During my exit plan portion of rehab, I brought this up with my counselor. Her advice was to identify my triggers and avoid them. So that was my plan after leaving rehab and I had the first trigger I needed to avoid. Listening to country music was out. But I quickly learned how hard of a task that was going to be. I went to a rehab across the country from where I was living, so I needed to fly home. There was no avoiding walking by airport lounges on the way to my gate. So I walked with my head down, trying not to look over at the people in the bars, watching sports, laughing, and having a good time. I kept thinking, just get to your gate and you will be safe. I finally looked up and saw my gate number, and right when I started feeling a little relief, I realized it was right across from a sports bar. I found a seat facing the opposite way, put in my headphones, put on some non-country music, and sat there thinking about the bar right behind me while I waited to board. I finally got on a plane, and just when I was able to relax, the flight attendant came by. Would you like something to drink, sir? I asked for a Diet Coke only to watch the two guys sitting next to me order a drink. And then another one. And then another one. This went on for the entire five-hour flight. Okay, no more flying, I thought. That is the process I went through for the first couple of months out of rehab. Something would trigger me, and I would try to avoid it in the future. There was a Coors Light billboard that seemed to jump out in front of my car on my drive home from work, so I started driving a different way home. 
every commercial while watching football games seemed to be a beer commercial, so I would turn the TV off during commercials and try to time when the commercial would be over. The one grocery store in the area where I lived had alcohol and soda on the same aisle, so I drove out of my way to the grocery store that I found that had a dedicated soda aisle. Just like the counselor at rehab instructed, I identified a trigger and then I avoided it. But I found two things while I was doing this. The first is you cannot avoid being exposed to alcohol no matter how hard you try. Now in early sobriety, we should not be intentionally putting ourselves in unnecessary situations that put us at a much higher risk, like going to the bar and hanging out with friends for Monday Night Football. However, we have to accept the fact that we live in a society where we are going to be surrounded by alcohol, and I seriously doubt that is going to change in any of our lifetimes. The second, more important thing I realized that was the more I tried to avoid things that reminded me of drinking, the more I thought about drinking. That grocery store that I found that had a dedicated soda aisle was 15 minutes each way further than the one in town which I had to drive by. To avoid seeing beer while walking down the aisle, I instead sat in my car driving, thinking about nothing else besides how I thought it wasn't fair I couldn't even get a case of Diet Coke without being exposed to alcohol. I should talk to the manager at the grocery store and have them change where they put their soda, I thought. There should be laws that make it where people could shop in a grocery store without being exposed to this poison. It just made me angrier as time went on. And what is the biggest trigger for most of us? Strong emotions like anger. So in trying to avoid short-term triggers, I was actually triggering myself even more with something much deeper and long-lasting like anger. Tony Robbins has a saying, where your focus goes, your energy flows. In explaining that theory, he tells a story about some of the first whitewater rafting guides. These two guides were discussing this one particular spot on the river that needed special attention. There was a large down tree that stuck out of the water in this one rapid. If the raft hit this tree, it caused a danger to the people they were guiding. To the left of this tree were two boulders that they needed to navigate between that would safely bring them to the next portion of the river. As they approached the obstacle, the guides would point it out, explain the danger, and then give everyone instructions how they needed to paddle hard so they could get between those two rocks. The guys would watch everyone paddle with all the energy they had, which the guides knew was plenty of energy to get them between the two rocks, yet almost every time they would end up in the tree. This confused the guides because they knew it shouldn't be that hard. Finally, one of them had the idea of not even mentioning the obstacle and just pointing out the destination between the two rocks. The next group they guided had no problem avoiding the tree. With each group after that, it kept happening again. By only focusing on the destination and not the obstacle, they went from hitting the tree almost every time to rarely hitting it anymore. What they found is when they mentioned the obstacle, that is where people focused. So even though they were paddling hard thinking they were paddling towards the spot between the two rocks, they were still staring at the tree and unknowingly all their energy was paddling them towards the tree and not away from it. What do most recovery programs look like? Most of the focus is on the avoidance of alcohol. 
Things like avoiding triggers, not letting your guard down because temptation is always lurking around the corner, having backup plans on top of other backup plans whenever you might be exposed to alcohol, or completely avoiding those situations in the first place. And then there's everything else alcohol avoidance related like how to say no when offered a drink. The focus is heavily on the obstacle, and what happens to most people who are trying to get sober this way? They hit the obstacle. So what should we do instead? Rather than trying to do the impossible task of avoiding the obstacle of being around alcohol in a society filled with alcohol, we have to come up with positive things that counteract our triggers. Just like the story I told, we should be focusing on where we want to go instead of where we can't go. If the thought of stopping at the liquor store is all you could think about when driving home to your family after work, give your family a huge hug when you get home and really feel that moment. Look in the eyes of your loved one who is so happy to have you home sober another night. Really feel them hugging you a little tighter because they're so happy you made it. When they tell you how proud they are of you, don't just say thank you. Sit with that feeling of them being proud of you until it fills your heart. And when the temptation pops up the next day on your drive home and all the negative emotions start to surface, go back to the positive emotions you felt at that moment. All those dreams that have been on hold for so long while you're stuck in your addiction, that is the place between those two rocks. Instead of focusing on the lost time or where you might be if you hadn't drunk so many opportunities away, be grateful that you now have the opportunity to chase those dreams, focus on them, and paddle like hell to achieve them. The more positive experiences you have in your sober life, the less you are going to think about alcohol. Think about it this way. Let's imagine you have an empty glass pitcher that represents everything positive in your sober life in an 80-proof bottle of temptation. If you're not filling that pitcher with creating new positive experiences in your sober life, you're only pouring in the alcohol, and if you take a drink out of that pitcher, the alcohol is going to have a strong effect on you. Now imagine you're rebuilding relationships, chasing dreams, and having amazing experiences in your sobriety. You're going to quickly overflow that pitcher, and now you'll have to use a 55-gallon drum to hold it all. Now if you pour that bottle of temptation into that, it is going to be watered down and would have little effect on you if you took a drink out of that 55-gallon drum. Now imagine you build on that, and the next thing you know, you're standing in front of a lake that represents your sober life. It is filled with everything you have accomplished, every adversity you successfully walked through, every one of those extra tight hugs and I'm proud of you moments that you've experienced. There's not enough bottles of temptation you could pour into that lake for it to affect you if you took a drink out of that lake. It simply is watered down too much by your new amazing sober life that is filled with joy. Nothing about alcohol triggers me today. Society has not changed, but I have. I still notice the beer commercials, but no more than I notice a car commercial. Emotionally, they have the same effect on me. This didn't come from trying to avoid the obstacle. That tree in the rapids is still there, and I know that if I paddle towards it, I could still hit it. It came from having a clear vision of where I wanted to go, seeing that spot between those two rocks, focusing on that, and paddling like hell to get there. That is how I discovered a life where I'm not just sober, but sober and happy. So find your destination, focus on that instead of the obstacles, and start paddling. 
You may be in rough waters right now, but right through those two rocks are calmer, peaceful waters where you could enjoy the beauty that surrounds you. Thank you for listening to this episode, and I hope that you're finding value from this podcast. If you are, I'm asking two huge favors from you this week. Share the episode with one person, and please subscribe to the podcast, both of which help it grow. New episodes come out each Friday, so I look forward to connecting with you next week. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and keep living sober and happy.